0: All right, well, I think we'll go ahead and begin, I think the majority of people have sort of gotten around, um, and everyone's got their baked good slash fruit, so let's, uh, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have given us another day that is called today, that we might remain in your rest, dear Lord open our ears and our hearts so that we would receive your word and trust it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've, we're booking along. We, we finish a chapter almost every time, so we're going to be done with this. You, sh- you can never say I'm too slow. Uh, um, all right, well, we've, uh, we've come a long way. Uh, so chapter one, we're dealing with uh, who is speaking to us, and, uh, and who does speak to us in the divine service? Jesus does, right? And, and although it, it may sound like we are repeating ourselves ad nauseam, uh, we see in chapter 2 why we must repeat ourselves ad nauseam, because we are what? Why do we have to repeat this so often? You what? Yeah, we're we're sinners, and sinners do what sinners do best. They sin. And and the number one sins are the ones that are hardest to see. Because the first three commandments are very easy to ignore or to corrupt, and you'd never know it. What are the first three commandments? Yep. Number one, you shall have no other gods. Second commandment: shall, I take the Lord's name in vain. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Third: remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, if you don't do any of those things, no one would ever know, except for us on Sunday when we didn't see you. Um, but you could even break it while attending church on Sunday. You heard that today in the sermon. Um, so. We have sin that dwells in us, and we must take it seriously. That's why he's saying these things. Um, So again, chapter 2, in verse 1, we hear right away, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed, pay more attention to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So that, then, is going to be the theme of all of Hebrews is pay attention to the one who's talking, namely Jesus, through the office of the ministry. So that's that's then sort of the theme, and the rest is how Jesus is giving you all these gifts, what it means that he died for you, what it means that we have our, our sins forgiven. Um, all right, so uh, chapter three, uh, we we hear there that Jesus was faithful for us. Um Moses was faithful in the Old Testament and yet he was not God and therefore he could only point to what was coming. So now in the New Testament we have something different. We don't have the tabernacle and we don't have sacrifices. What do we have in place of the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament sacrifices? What has replaced that now? Jesus has and Yes. Okay. Good. Yep. That's a sacrifice, right? So Jesus' sacrifice has replaced all sacrifices, right? So we don't sacrifice lambs anymore. We don't do any of those sacrifices because Christ has come. So yeah, that's the sacrifice. Now, what about the tabernacle? Where is that today? Yes, we are the church, right? And on this church, I have, I, uh, so. I will build this church on the rock, namely Jesus. He builds it on himself and his sacrifice. Uh, And so then, uh, where could we find it if we wanted to go to it? Because we wouldn't just go into ourselves. So what what, what is required of us if we wish to have it among us? Yes, and, and together... We have to actually be together. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Right? And again, as simple as that sounds, uh, so we can be deceived as we were, not just you know, one and a half year ago, where we thought it might be a good idea not to gather together. And we learned our lesson, I hope. And we will not do that again. Um, so we will gather together, no matter what, no matter what comes. Uh, what's the phrase? Hell or high water, right? So we will we will be together because here we receive the gifts of Christ. Here we have all that He wishes to give us. Where two or three are gathered in My name, there I am among them. Um, so the Son has come and replaced the tabernacle, replaced the sacrifices with the Church of God, that is us, and with His. Uh, His sacrifice that is proclaimed. So, if we were to say it in a simple way, the church gathers around the word and sacraments. And that's where we receive Jesus. Alright? Chapter 4. Now, we we discussed this last time. There were four admonitions in chapter Um, 4. The first one is, in in verse 1, Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So, this is the church caring for ourselves, right? Our brothers and sisters, we wish to have them come with us. And so if one of them is straying, we should talk to them, right? Admonish them. Uh, And we talked about that last week. Um, What is the easiest way uh, to to actually, let's see. Um, What do you need to do in order to admonish your brother or sister in Christ? What is required first? You have to know them, right? And how do you get to know a human being? You, know, you talk to them, that's one. How else do you get to know a human being? Listen yeah, right, you have to listen. Yeah. And you have to be with them, right? You have to be around them. You have to live with them. And that's why the people we know the best are usually our families, because we see them day in and day out. Or even our, sometimes it's our co-workers. Right? We spend tons and tons of time with these people who we are with day in and day out. And that's not a bad thing, right? That be, they become your family, right? Um, so then we can admonish our Christian brothers and sisters by being with them, and that's that's good, but what do I have to know? But well, let's say I, I, I get the first part right. I'm with that person all the time, and I talk to them all the time. Now, what else do I have to know in order to admonish them? You're yeah, 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 good. Yeah, you got to know what you're talking about, right? How are you going to tell someone, uh, this is what Jesus says, if you haven't read the Bible in a year, or even in a month, or even if you don't remember anything you've read in the Bible, then how are you supposed to help your brothers and sisters in Christ? Um, so... One thing that's required is that you're with someone that you talk to them. Both those are, are necessary. But the other that's required is that you're with God and you listen to him and you talk to him. Right? So we also have prayer. Uh, so, so that's how we then help our brothers and sisters. If they stray away, we can go to them and talk to them and help them. Right? That's, our, that's our place in this world. Um, okay. Uh, oh, we, and we, we receive in, ver- in chapter four uh, how we enter the rest. How do we enter God's rest? The answer is in verse three. We believe! And as simple as that is, it's also difficult. Um, now, we, we talked about this last time. Actually, Gary, you're the one that gave me this analogy, so I, I give you thanks uh, for giving that to me. Um, wh- why, what do we have to do every day, no matter what, physically? Eat, what? eat right? We have to eat every day. What, what if you're bored of eating? Can you just stop eating? What happens if you stop eating? <laughs> you stop living, right? And we, we connect those things, right? And, and we, ha- we, we get hungry, right? Well, we, we heard that this morning, that we have a different kind of hunger as Christians. What do we hunger for? Yes, we, we hunger for the spiritual things, which are His righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and whose righteousness it's christ's right? and, and so um why why is that so difficult for us why is eating physically easy and then eating spiritually hard what why is there such a difference Yeah, we're sinners. And, and and so then what's the nature uh, of a sinner? What what, what then uh, would you prefer to be doing? Thanks for yourself. Yes, things for yourself, absolutely, right? We're in actually that's the word we call it. We call it concupiscence. That means curved in on. Right? We're curved in on ourselves. Yes, you're right. I know why it's so hard to eat from God's word because, because it's so good for us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, As I just saw Ed Popick, who instead of seeing all this wonderful fruit skipped everything and took a donut alone. He's not here, so I get to pick on him. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's the best part. He, he does these crazy things. Um, so, uh, but, but that's what we do, right? That's, that's what's in our nature. We want things that are bad for us, right? And even physically, we want things that are bad for us, right? Everyone knows that. If, if being fit was easy, it, then we wouldn't need to be told so often to get fit, right? Or to go exercise, there wouldn't be a million um, programs out there, and I wouldn't see the uh, the advertisement for the Peloton bike, you know, a million times on every commercial. Right? Um, so yeah, we we love stuff that's bad for us, and that's that's part of the problem. And that's why, even though these things are simple, in that God tells you, if you want to be saved, what do you need? What do you need? Faith? Yes. And how do you feed your faith? Yeah, simple. Read God's word, listen to God's word. And yet, we make it as complex as a maze and as hard as creating a workout routine, right? Which of us does that besides that? So yeah, it's very difficult for us. And it's why we have to continually be admonished and we, and we all need this because um, raise your hand if you're not a sinner. Oh, good. <laughs> you passed the test. So we all need this because we're all sinners, right? And we all have this common nature. All okay, right, so the first admonishment, don't let those who are among you stray away. Um, the second one is, um, oh, where is it? Oh, verse 11. Um, Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. Okay? So this is the second one for you. Be diligent to enter the rest. Pay attention. Eat healthy. Eat God's Word. Drink His body and blood. Or eat His his body, drink His blood. There we go. Um, But this is how we receive Christ. Again, not rocket science... But difficult because of our sin. Um, And this is why he uses these words, right? Be diligent. Pay attention. Um, And today, we're going to get one of the sharpest admonishments of all. Where um, Paul, or Luke, maybe, uh, the writer of Hebrews, calls us a bunch of babies. (laughs) Yeah, it hurts. But it's good for your pride, right? Because your pride should not exist. Um, All right. So, he tells us, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Uh, for the word of God is living and active. Okay? Um, let, and, and, and then verse 14 is the third admonition. So, don't let anyone stray. Be diligent in entering the rest. Pay attention. right? Uh, verse 14, let us hold fast our confession. Okay? So, how do you hold on to a confession? Say say louder for me, I didn't hear you. You repeat it it again and again and again, right? That's why most of us know the the really uh, junky pop music in our youth, because you listen to it again and again and again, right? Well, if you listen to that junk, you should also uh, listen to some good, uh, nutritious confession, right? Listen to hymns. Sing hymns! Our music in the church is meant for you to do this very thing, to confess well. And it's melodic, it's beautiful, and it's a, it's a rhyme. One of the easiest things to memorize are rhymes, right, and poems, so we just say them again and again. Use your hymnal at home. You know, there's lots of ways you can get this on CD, um, but again, it's, it's as simple as listening to it. And also with our confessions, for instance, the creed and, and, um, and the small catechism, uh, here, here, here's a good question for you. Um, if you took a first grade uh, math test, do you think you could pass? Right? Good. So, uh, now, if you took an eighth grade math test, do you think you could pass? Maybe. You know, they're not yet into, you know, crazy algebra or geometry. Uh, maybe some here are, I don't know. We have some smart kiddos. Um, but uh, but, but uh, we would assume that in eighth grade, we still have a pretty solid, you know, knowing the same thing. Um, maybe we would need some refreshers. Uh, and that might be a hint of, of, of things to come. But uh, in eighth grade, the eighth graders all memorize their catechism. So then, if we had a competition, and the 8th graders, I'll, I'll put my 8th graders against anyone who wants to volunteer, and and we and, and we can say back and forth the catechism. And I would just pick a part in the catechism, not the questions, not the big part, right? This is just the catechism. And then, and then I'd ask, them, okay, you say, uh, the first article of the creed, uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, what does this mean? Now, say what this means. And then I would ask you, would you know it? And this then should help us to remember that, oh, wow, there's, I need some refreshers, right? Just like eighth grade math, right? I'm, I'm sure I would need some refreshers too. Uh, and the only thing that would make us do that is if we make it part of our um, <coughs> spiritual workout, right? A good routine. So, yeah, repeating it, that's number one. Um, how else? Now, it, it's one thing um, to memorize it. It's quite another to hold it fast. Uh, so it's it, so you have the information. That's good, um, but how do you uh, how do you treat information that's very precious to you? What 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 does that mean to hold on to information? Yeah. I'd say that the means you have to kind of use it as your guide, so you know, yeah. it's kind of like rolling wild mileposts along the road. You know what the road is. You know? something comes up, you ask yourself, well, what does the confession say, for instance? Right, right, yeah. Well, what do I believe about this? Yeah, what do I believe about this? I'm taking this, that's that's right. I think that's exactly right. Sometimes we forget these are guides to us, and they help to lead us, and so when we hold on to them, they actually form our decisions. So so here here's a simple way to think of it. When you hold on fast to something, when you trust something, uh, when something's important to you, it comes into all your decision-making. Now, parents know this already, because they hold fast a confession that they love their children. And so it, it just sort of happens, because now all the decisions you make start to be formed around your kids. And it's not because you have to keep saying their names to remember them, <laughs> right? At least I hope that's not the case. And maybe their birthdays, <laughs> but, not, but not, especially the year. I always get the year wrong, um, but uh, I'm sure I'll get better. Uh, but, but no one has to, most parents do not have to be admonished to think of their children, right? They're just on their mind. You know, they're just constantly holding fast to them in their confession that they are the parents of these children. Well, that's how it should look, and, and how, what we strive for as Christians uh, is that we hold fast in the same way to our Jesus, and to our Father, and to our Holy Spirit, and we love them and we cherish them, and we hold fast the confession. Um, one of the other ways that, we, that, that uh, is easy to um, sort of picture this is, uh, if you had a friend, and you had at a party, okay, and, uh, and someone came up to your friend, and they said, oh, uh, who's this that came with you? Uh, and they said, I don't know. Well, how would that make you feel? Okay. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's another uh, even more pointed picture maybe. Um, if, uh, if someone came up to you um, and, uh, and, and, and said, "Oh, is this your child?" and you said, "No, even though they were right? oh, how would your child feel? just I mean it was, I mean just it makes you cringe right To disown your child that way well again, that's what it would mean, but but let's let's put some, some more um, uh, weight to it. Let's say, then, it's your child, but now someone comes up to you and says, um, I, is this your child? If so, I'm going to take you to prison because uh, there's a new rule, you know, and, and you have to go to prison because of what your child did. Now it becomes a little more difficult, right? Uh, how much do you love your child? <laughs> and of course, you know, we would all, yes, of course, I'll go to prison for my child. You, you know, I'll own them always, right? Um, but this then is what the Christians faced in the time of Rome. Are you a Christian? And they would not just face jail. They would face immediate death well, or slow death in the Colosseum with wild animals. Right? That's a confession. That's holding fast right? To answer yes when it hurts. That's, that's holding fast. Okay, um, so there's one more admonishment uh, in, in chapter 4, and then we'll get into chapter 5, uh, and it's in verse 16. And this is the most comforting, because after you hear a lot of these things, you're like, oh man, I've really have been doing a bad job, <laughs> Uh, I haven't always claimed Christ. Man, sometimes when my friends ask me these questions, I don't say yes. Or sometimes I even forget what I should know about Jesus. Well, this then should be our favorite passage. Jesus says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, let us fear that people would fall away. Uh, Let us be diligent to enter our rest. Let us hold fast our confession. And now, let us be bold to uh, come boldly to the throne of grace. How do you come to the throne of grace? How would you do this? What? What? Pray. It's very simple. You pray. God admonishes you one more time to pray. And when you pray, see it, it, this is something you, you should again impress on your, your sinful mind again and again so that you know you can knock out all the other stuff. When you pray, where are you standing? What does this say? You are standing before God's throne. You're in the throne room of the King. And this is an astonishing thing. Anywhere you are, no matter where you are, when you pray, you stand before the Heavenly Father in His throne. And He is sitting there with His great scepter, with all power, listening to you intently. And that should give us the greatest joy because Christ is also there, shaping our prayers and interceding for us. Okay, so, so that's then the picture of chapter 4. Now we move on to chapter 5. Um, all right, does someone uh, want to pick up uh, just those uh, first four verses? Can someone read those? Verses 1 through 4. Go ahead. Very good. Okay, so here we have the picture of the priest and the Old Testament. Um, so even though, uh, well, at first, who is who are the priests in the Old Testament? What? Levites. The Levites. Yep. So the Levites are the group of priests in the Old Testament. But here's the here's the interesting thing. Um, even though they're all considered priests, what's different about the high priest? Yes, okay. He's making the sacrifices. So one is appointed to make the sacrifices. So this is the first unique thing about him. What, el- what else is unique about him? What's... Yes, good. He's the only one allowed in the Holy of Holies, yes. And what else is unique about him? What's required for his, his office in these verses? He's appointed. He's chosen, he is not one who chooses for himself. So it's not as if, you know, Aaron got up one day and it's like, you know, I really think I'm the high priest. I'm just gonna do this. No, God appointed him and every high priest is appointed by God. So they did that by uh, casting lots and the lot would fall. So they had the Urim and the thummim, these are just two, think of them as dice, but they're, you know, you would shake them out Uh, and and they would land a certain way, that's a lot. So the lot would fall to so-and-so, right? Um, So every time the lot would fall to the high priest, he would remain high priest until he died. So this is his job. He offers the sacrifices. Uh, He's assisted by his brother priests, but he is the one who goes into the holy place for the sake of the people, and the one who goes into the holy of holies for the sake of the people. Okay, so that's the Old Testament now. All right, so all the sacrifices are made. Uh, and again, uh, it, uh, it's good to be oriented to the building. So uh, if you're sort of in this space, uh, the, uh, the bronze altar is in front. That's the courtyard. You're not yet in the tabernacle. Then there's the wash basin. That's in front of the, bron- the bronze altar. Okay, that's when they washed. Okay, so they would wash before they entered. And then they would enter, uh, and the tabernacle was two rooms. The holy place, the holy place, you go in, left side, you have the, the candle, or uh, the, the lamps, right, 12 lamps, right side, you have the table of the showbread, and then in front of you, you have the altar of incense, right, so that's, so when you go in, that's what's there, and then there's the curtain that separates, and then behind the curtain is the holy of holies, what is in the holy of holies? The ark. The ark and and yes and this is considered God's throne room and God's seat is in the midst of the ark in the middle it is the seat of mercy okay okay so that's then what's going on here it's if, if, just to orient yourself physically to what's happening okay uh, can someone read uh, verses 5 to 11. You are my son today i have begotten you as he says also in another place you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek in the days of his flesh jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence although he was a son he learned obedience Through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Yes, okay. Um, Now we get Jesus is the high priest. So we already sort of discussed this at the beginning of uh, the class today uh, where we said, okay, what replaces it is the tabernacle being us and then the sacrifice being Christ himself. Okay, But Christ takes on everything in the Old Testament. So all the images are summed up in him. So what seemed to be so complicated um, is simply revealing the mystery of who Jesus is. Uh, And it it is... uh, complex in the sense that uh, it it gives us many different shades of what the truth is. Uh, Like a diamond, right? And you turn it, you see all the different facets. It's not a different diamond, but it's a different, you know, look at where you are on the diamond. So the same thing in the Old Testament. All these were the richness that would be summed up in Jesus. All right, so he didn't glorify himself to become high priest, but... It was he who said of him. So, who is the one who appointed Jesus? Who appointed Jesus to be high priest? The Father, right? And this is where it's so vital to remember uh, chapter 1. Right? Chapter 1 has already discussed these things. He's actually just quoting them again. Right? He's saying the same things he said in chapter 1. You're my son. Today I begotten you. And it says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, So that's now being brought up again. The father is there. The son is appointed and he has a job. Right? Um, Okay, so uh, then we go to when this happened. So he was appointed who in the days of his flesh. what, What does he mean in the days of his flesh? What is that? So this is, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, he was incarnate. Now this is, this is a, uh, a confession, once again, and he reiterates it time and time again so that we would remember Jesus is in the flesh. Jesus is in the flesh. Uh, now, once he was resurrected, is he still in the flesh? Yes. He's, oh, once he became man he remains man at all times. if Christ would have laid his flesh down and was not glorified with his flesh, then we have no hope of resurrection um, so it's not meaning that well after the days of his flesh meaning he wasn't man anymore um, but rather this is also implying his humiliation right so uh, his humiliation did not it did not mean Uh, that he was in the flesh. His humiliation meant he was not going to use his power, right? Because he he uses all his power now and he's in the flesh now, okay? So in the days of his flesh, during his time on earth, he was giving up his power, right? Uh, He still had it, but he didn't use it. Uh, Again, uh, this is, the the picture you can imagine is, um, when you play games with your kids when they're little, do you use your full strength? Of course not, right? I mean, I guess you could, but that would be very cruel, right? So we sort of know what it's like to have power, but not to use it, right? And this is then this is Jesus. He was, he was in humility, not using all of that power, even though he could have. And, and many times he did. When do we see the power of God in Christ while he was on earth? Oh, yes, that's a good one. Transfiguration. Yeah. Good. What else? Miracles. Yeah, the miracles. All these things are done by God. Right? And Jesus doesn't have to request. Instead, he simply speaks because he is God. And so we do get glimpses of his power and glory. But you notice also that when he does this, many times he'll tell people, now don't tell anybody. He'll heal them, and he'll say, now don't go and tell, and tell people. Why does he do that? Why does he heal someone and then say, don't tell anyone? He's not a, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He's not, a, he's not someone where you can go and, and rub them three times, and then, you know, shablam, you get your wishes, right? Um... And, and so he's not an apple god. He doesn't give you uh, what you want because you prayed really hard. Um, but instead, what was his only goal in taking on the flesh and being humble? What was Jesus' goal? Yeah. And that was the point. Not that we would have health now or that we would have prosperity now but rather that we would have an eternal treasure. the only way that's accomplished is on the cross. So he would tell people, don't go tell people that I healed you because they'll get the wrong message, right? They'll think that we should go to this guy because he does cool stuff. Jesus is not a circus. If he wanted to light up the skies and get everyone into one group, he could snap his fingers. And that's not what he wishes. He wishes to go to the cross. So in the days of his flesh, that's what he's doing, right? So so now he's going to the cross. Uh, When, so I'm in verse 7, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. So this gives a, a perspective on what Jesus was doing on earth. Um, was his time here uh, full of only joy? No. Right? Uh, now, we get glimpses of this. Um, but what was Jesus doing a lot during his time on earth? According to this. He was praying. He was praying. All the time. Luke brings this out probably the most... Uh, but we, we get the impression of this. Uh, one, of the, one of the clearest ones is when he tells his disciples, okay, you get in the boat, I'm going to go up the mountain to pray. Okay? Or the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He goes and he prays, right? For hours and hours. Um, okay, so Jesus prays. Now, now, remember, we were just admonished to pray, right? And that was the last admonishment. And so now we get the high priest who is praying. That's what he's doing. He's appearing before God. Um and the Father accepted his prayers. Um, why did he accept Jesus' prayers? Based on this text. What? Why did why did the Father accept the prayers of Jesus? It gives a very specific what? Yeah, he's obedient, and, and it says um, he, he has godly fears. Someone said reverence. Uh, piety is another way. But basically, this is faith. Right? Uh, th- this is the proper, uh, the proper view of God. Or the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. And so he was heard and we should not, which not forget. Uh, many times we Lutherans are very good at speaking of Jesus forgiveness. And that's fantastic. That's what we should speak about. Um, but sometimes we, we neglect the fact that Jesus lived a righteous life for us. He was perfect. He followed God's law without ever stumbling once. And so his sacrifice is acceptable because he was righteous, because he was obedient. And this is a wonderful news for us, that now we have one, we have his righteousness in the sense that we also look like Jesus. And our godly fear, our reverence, comes from receiving Jesus and his reverence. Um, But it's also an example to us, Uh, We are not free now, to sin. This is why Paul can say things like, uh, let us go sin more so, so that his grace may abound. By no means. Right? We are made holy to walk in a holy way. All right. Um, so, But this is our high priest. So, So again, he's doing all this for our sake. This is the priest who now is preparing his sacrifice. And he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So he was already a son, and yet he was put through the ringer and held fast the confession. So all the admonishments he just gave us, he does himself. He pays attention to the Father. uh, He comes to him. He is diligent, and he doesn't want any of his lambs to stray. Um, and, And the final thing, too, what perfected it all is his suffering. His suffering and death then was the key to everything. And the rest of it then is history. Because right after that, in verse 9, having been perfected, so he suffered, he, he accomplished the goal, having been perfected. And remember, this perfection is completion. Okay, Jesus is perfect, right? He has no sin. Um, but when it says, he, having been perfected, the goal has been accomplished. All has been done, or in Jesus' words on the cross, it is finished. Right? Um, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. All right. So now, it, it's not over at the cross. What does an author do? Well, that, this is true. Yeah, he puts an ending in the story. But what's, what's an author? Yeah, it's, it's the one in whom the story takes place and who writes it, right? He is the writer of the story and he is the author of salvation. He's the one who decides how we are saved, when we are saved, and um, he is the only one who can save us, right? There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. Okay, so... Uh, and now, to those who obey Him, how do we then obey Him? What? Well, that's one thing, yes. Follow His example. Right? And what must come first in, in that following? Faith. It has to be a gift. He has to draw us to Himself. He must call us. Um, and so then... The author of our salvation is also the author of our faith. And later on, in Hebrews, he will say he he is the perfecter, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, So all of this then is is describing how Jesus becomes our high priest. He's chosen by the Father. He's in the flesh so he can uh, have, he can share with us in our flesh. He suffers, he's perfect in obedience. And now he dispenses that. That's what the high priest does in the Old Testament. Okay, Now, for the high priest in the Old Testament, the difference is, he needs forgiveness himself. Jesus doesn't need that. Instead, Jesus offers his forgiveness to us. Okay, th- so, so now we have this new high priest who does different things. He comes to us and splatters us with his blood. How? How, how does Jesus offer us his atonement? The word and yeah, the word and sacrament. Right. That's how he's. That's how he's writing our story as the author, of our salvation. Okay. Um, now, now in verse eleven, uh, yeah, we could get to this a little bit. Now, now it's going to hurt. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's like it's like in the, it's like he's taking a break in the middle of his sermon, um, to tell people to wake up. Right. This is a, listen to what he says, of whom. Jesus, of whom we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Well, what is he saying to the people? You're not paying attention. <laughs> we have much to say, but you become dull of hearing. And then he jumps into this this great admonition, right? So uh, I'll, I'll read this part. Um, this is in verse 12. For though Okay, so he's saying, you become dull of hearing, okay? Now, for though by this time, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles, the ABCs of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, I haven't done this yet. Maybe I should. In a sermon where I just, you know, stop in the middle of my sermon and say, All right, you're a bunch of babies. But that's what he just said to them. Yeah. Well, this would have been a sermon to, to a particular congregation. So, yes, I mean, yes, in a sense that they'd be passing this letter along, but no, in the sense that they're reading it to the members who are, who are hearing. So, so yeah, it, just like all Paul's letters, they, they would have been circulated. And sometimes he says that, right? Uh, you know, give this letter to them, and they will give my other letter to you. Um, so, it, yes, it is to the church at large. And, of course, it's to us, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this would have been to them. And it's, it is to us. Right? This is the letter circulated. Uh, yeah, Gary. God always has a message for someone. Yeah. But he's always addressing by the nature of the word there. Yes, right, yes, that's right. It's always a universal word. And, and, we, and the great thing is um, that just like we said before, I, I think we took a, a proper vote um, of who wasn't a sinner and no one raised their hand. Meaning, this always applies. There's always a sense of dullness to our hearing that we need to be sharply awakened again. Right. And that's why Jesus so often says, Wake up, watch. Right? Yeah, Simon? That's I mean, I mean, yeah, We are supposed to have this. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and now to be fair though, even though this does apply to some, again, we, we've already sort of talked about how uh, some of us can lag behind. There are differences in faith. And I don't mean what faith clings to. I mean some are strong in the faith right now and some are weak and need to be strengthened. Right? And, and, and so, now the strong in faith, the funny thing about faith is uh, the stronger you are in the faith, what does that mean? What What are you doing more of? Reading the word. What? Reading the word. Yeah, you're reading the word more and you're confessing your sins more. You're more aware of how much you need to have faith. So being weak in the faith is actually, it looks opposite. Because what it would look like is this. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm strong. I don't need anything. Right, Whereas the strong one says, feed me more. I know if I don't have it, I'm going to die. And so there's sort of this opposite thing going on. So for the one who is humble already, they're going to hear this and say, oh gosh, you're right. I'm an infant. I need it more. And that's strength and faith. Whereas the other one says, well, I'm already strong. What, what am I worried about? Right? And they're hearing it uh, to, to judge them so that they would, again, not think that they are more able than they are. Um, Okay, so uh, what does it mean uh, to have the, what are the first principles in the oracles of God? What is that? And we should probably know them because if we don't, he's going to call us babies. (laughs) What are those things? What are the ABCs of our faith? You know it, even though you, 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 may, you may be put off by what, what this is, the, the way it's saying. We don't say the oracles of God, right? But what, what's the simple condensation of our faith? The Ten Commandments? Yeah? Good, that's one. What else? The Creed, the creed. yes. And what else? Okay, I'll give you a bigger hint. There's six of them. So we have two, baptism, yeah, someone said that, baptism, what? So we have Ten Commandments, Creed, Baptism, what else? Lord's Prayer, Lord's Supper, Absolution, right? And what is that? It's the chief parts of the small catechism, that's why we have a summary of our faith. Again, this is why Martin Luther can say this, that uh, he was never done uh, reading and meditating on the small catechism because there's always more to learn and this is the simplest summary of our faith. That's why I would would encourage you to memorize once again, if you've lapsed in that, to memorize your catechism and not the big section in the back. I don't have that memorized, (laughs) Um, but, but just the front part, right? The what does this mean? So that you have it ready on your tongue and in your mind, um, and, and you're always ready to give an, to give an answer. Right? Well, what, is it, what does it mean? Well, you say you say you should have it with gods. What do you mean? We should fear, fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That's, that's it. That's what I mean. Right? So it's just a helpful tool. But these are the oracles of God. Right? And so this is what he's saying to them. Um, you need someone to teach you again the first. Oracles, the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. Um, a picture of this would be uh, an infant who refuses to leave mom and eat any solid food. Okay? Uh, I don't know if you've been in a situation like that yourself, maybe personally, where your, your child just, no, I want the milk from mom and that's it right? And sometimes it can be a chore, but if they remained on just that milk, what's the problem? What's the problem with an infant who refuses to take solid food? Yeah, yeah, you need something besides that now. There's something else you need to grow. Um, so now we have this picture then, and again, keep in mind, he's accusing these, this, this congregation, and, and even us, that are you this person? First of all, do you know the first oracles of God? And then, have you been satisfied with only knowing those and not wanting to know more? Now, in a sense, you've already answered that question because you're here, right? <laughs> so, so hey, congratulations, right? Um, you've wanted to dig deeper, but but he gives us how then you grow up. And, and this, is, this is the thing about faith, and, and many times um, we forget it and we shouldn't. Is what is the um, so the nature of a when you when you plant who who of you are gardeners here okay when you plant your seed what's the goal yeah that's the nature of a seed right And, and and so the nature of this plant is to begin as a seed and to go through all these stages and you probably you gardeners know every stage Right? Or at least some of them so that you know, oh you know okay, it needs a little water now. Or even when you're looking at it, you're like, oh, maybe we need some fertilizer right Or, or maybe we need some of this to help help it sort of uh, get more spry. You know in the winter time, or um, if it gets cold, like in May, you know when there's a frost, you know to cover it up, right? Or which ones you got to take inside so that they don't wither, right? Um, but again, that's, this is faith. Faith has a nature as well. And he's revealing this to us that faith is not meant to remain a seed nor is it meant to remain a little seedling but what is faith supposed to become what should faith look like so you know a daisy right by by its end product right a daisy you know you know it it looks like a daisy It's beautiful. What does a Christian look like? Christ. That's the end. That's what we are to look like. And so, the only way to do that is to receive Christ. As a matter of fact, it it, it works really well, because Pastor Basie said it well in his his sermon today. The, The only way we have faith in us is if Christ is in us. And the only way to get him in there is by word and sacrament. Right? But but here's something else, and something that I think um, we it's easy to forget as Christians uh, is in verse 14. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. How do we use God's word? So you receive it here. That's good. And and that's, that's of course, the beginning and and the strengthening, and that's good. But but how do you use it? Yeah. This is just the beginning. This is getting watered so that you can grow. And And you live off of, of course, that Word of God, but that's through your life. And this is why Paul can say this astonishing thing. You are... A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Um, so then, uh, your life is filled with... Uh, well, when you leave these doors, what do you do? So you come, you come here you, and you are a hearer. right? But when you leave here, what are you going into? What does your life consist of? What? Your yeah, to help your neighbors, you got a job, right? You go into your job. For those of you who may be retired, you have many other responsibilities, like caring for grandchildren or caring for others around you. Um, but whatever it may be, it's a love of the neighbor. right? And so you are going out and you are loving because you've received in faith the love of God. So then uh, at the end here, The senses are exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay, so um, your life is filled with... uh, Because you are a human being, you have a will. So your life is filled with your will doing things. So every day when you wake up in the morning, you have to make a million choices. And, And by doing that, you're exercising your will. And so, how do we know what's good and evil? How do we know how we should exercise our will? (laughs) See, she chose to run after me. How How do we know how to exercise it? And what is good and evil? From our knowledge of the word. So that now, remember, to hold fast to confession is is then to use it in all the things you do. So that now it's like a filter, right? And the Word of God filters all of your senses. So that everything you do now, the Word of God always applies. Because Jesus always applies. And, And so then all of your decisions are no longer decisions of, oh, well, you know, I did that in church, but then later on I did something else. But that you do everything as a priest of God. And so that's what we're going to dig into next time is what it looks like to make all those decisions to use your faith, because that's how we grow. All right, clearly we're done. <laughs> so, so let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. You have given us your word once again. Strengthen us, dear Lord, as we live this word in our lives and train us so that our faith would grow and we would be full grown, receiving your solid food. Amen.